While the offense got off to another sluggish start on Sunday, the Seahawks found a way to get back in the win column with some late heroics from Geno Smith and company. We're going to be breaking down the sixth win of the season for the Seahawks on our latest post-game installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here on our post-game episode by my co-host Nick Lee, and a special thanks to all the 12s out there, especially those of you nearby. There's a lot of energy here at Loman Field with the Seahawks getting back into the win column, but it wasn't easy, a 29-26 victory over the Washington Commanders. And Nick, this might have been the closest either one of us was to actually predicting a score for a game. You were, sir, very close to getting this one. A three-point win for the Seahawks. You picked them to win by four very similar scores. But the Seahawks get back in the win column. They're still tied with the 49ers in first place in the NFC West. We are going to be diving into all the key storylines coming out of this game, plus our weekly game balls and three up, three down. This week is going to be strictly three up on both sides of the ball, so we're looking forward to that. A lot of positivity on today's episode coming here for all the 12s. Let's get to the lead story here. The Seahawks getting back in the win column. 29-26 victory over the Washington Commanders, led by Geno Smith's 369 passing yards. And it's interesting, for those of you that listen to the postcast every week, Nick and I were having communication during the second half, early stages of the second half, about who's going to win game balls and all that type of stuff. And we both were ready to put Geno Smith on the three-down column because the Seahawks had missed out on so many opportunities early in the game, and yet number seven for the third time this year finds a way to will his team to a game-winning drive. And I thought in the fourth quarter, that was as good as we've seen Geno Smith play the last two years, Nick. He was firing the ball all over the field and nine for 11 in their last two scoring drives. That is the type of confidence boost this entire offense needed, but especially Smith, who I think has just been pressing because he's been trying to get this offense jump-started. And I think this could be the start of building something here coming out of this game. Well, I'm I just looking at these. I 100% agree with this this comment. Speaking my language, Sean Scotchman with the, the Star Wars reference says Gino played angry that second half. Needs to play angry more and turn to the dark side. And it kind of made me that you know gave me that that quote from the Chancellor Palpatine to Anakin. I, I, you know, use your hatred. It gives you focus. It makes you stronger. You know, angry Gino is truly the best Gino. So yeah, I, speaking my language there. And I'm just looking at uh, you know just the stats. First of all, this game. You know, was certainly I'm going to call it the Quasimodo of football games. It's ugly to look upon. You know, it's it's not pretty where pe some people, you know, superficial people think it should be. But in the inside, it's it's gold. It's it's beautiful. It makes you want to break out in song because you know that's an, a win in the NFL, and and that's all you really you should. No one should be caring about the spread. No one should be caring about how. I mean, the, this we knew the the Commanders would be scrappier, scrappier than scrappy, and they were scrappier than scrappy do. Man, they were real, real scrappy. And now Geno Smith, I looked at the stats, and that is his sixth career game-winning drive, according to Pro Football Reference, um, since he started the, becoming the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. Six since the start of 2022. That is more than Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence. 
in that span. So I would say, Corbin, that's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I don't think that you can pull out the Gino is not clutch card anymore that we heard a lot last year early in the season. And for all the struggles that he's had this year, and there were some things that he did today that were not defensible. The intentional ground he caught at the end of the first half. And again, Pete Carroll took some of the blame for how they handled that situation to begin with. But the quarterback cannot get himself in a position like that where they probably could have got another Jason Myers field goal there. It ended up not coming back to bite them, but that easily could have in a game like this that was so back and forth. And before I shift gears to looking at the defense, I, I just want to say this, though. Sam Howell, I, I loved him coming out of North Carolina, and I like the player even more coming out of this game. For those that are arguing that this is not that great of a win, the team was 4-5 and five coming in, watch the game again some of the throws that Sam Howell was making this game and his ability to escape pressure the first touchdown that they had Jamal Adams had it nobody in front of him was coming on a blitz and like Adams said after the game he should have made the play but give Sam Howell some credit he stepped up in the pocket and then gets outside finds a way to get it off to Brian Robinson 52 yards later it's a touchdown for the commanders to open the game and he had a touchdown at the end of the game to Antonio Gibson the boy Mafe hit his arm and I thought it was going to be a fumble when I first saw it happen live on the field. And he somehow got it to Gibson. I'm still shaking my head at that one. Yeah, it was a phenomenal play. So give the young quarterback a lot of credit. At the same time, the Seahawks made some big mistakes where the running backs were able to burn them over 150 receiving yards for the running backs in this game. And that was something we talked about, Nick, on Friday that the Seahawks couldn't do. And it almost ended up costing him this game. But still... Those big plays, the running backs withstanding. This was another defensive effort against an offense for the commanders that has a lot of weapons. The number of pass breakups that they were able to generate, not a lot of big plays for the receivers. I thought the tight ends were pretty quiet for most of the game for the commanders and the pass rush. Let's give Bohe Mafe a shout out. Setting a franchise record today, breaking Michael Sinclair's former record, seven consecutive games with a sack so you put in the pressure the key turnover that was created on a fumble uh forced fumble by devin witherspoon in the third quarter the offense finding ways to get a bunch of points on the board late the seahawks did what you have to do to play winning football and i just think some of the plays we saw out there like ken walker the third 62 yard touchdown that really sparked this offense they were able to get some of those plays nick that i think are going to take some pressure off of your stars on offense and if they're just playing free football and they're playing without the stress they've had these last few games where things haven't been able to work, this can be a win where, yes, the commanders had a losing record, but this can be a win that you can build off against a team that nearly beat the Eagles two times. So this is not this is not a slouch that you are beating regardless of record. This is a commanders team that is going to give people fits the rest of the year. This is a really solid, rock-solid win, and it's nice to see Geno Smith going out there throwing the ball the way he did in the second half, leading this team to victory the defense, getting contribution from young players. Any win is a good one in the NFL, but I think this is especially a good one, even with the record of the other football team. Yeah, this is one. I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, but this is kind of a win that will play in January where, you know, it's not perfect. The other team's making a ton of plays, but you find a way to kind of work through your issues mid game and, 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 you know, buck up when it counts. And that that's a, that's a type of football that'll win you games in January heading into February. Um, and just looking at the stats, too, I mean, you look at some of the stats for the commanders, and yeah, they, they got theirs on offense to a certain degree. But 356 total yards, now that might be a little rich for some people, but that's only their sixth highest. There are five other games where the commanders had more total yards this year 
they are putting up yards and points, boy. And they're they're just it, it's it, it the the way that the Seahawks kind of they kind of mixed in some key plays when they needed it. Yeah, there's a few just like throw the throw your phone into the drywall kind of plays. But the Commanders have been doing that to everybody. I mean, yeah, yeah, Sam Howell has been great. Um, and yeah, he's not he's not short on weapons. This is absolutely a team where you you are now glad that you have that maybe win against them. Heaven forbid, you know, the Seahawks don't win the division and you just start looking at, you know, NFC wildcard standings. This is a team, I think, that will make a little bit of a run and maybe be a little pesky towards the bottom end of the NFC wildcard picture. So you, it's nice to log that win. Um, but yeah, the, the stats don't jump out at you defensively as, you know, in a, an enormous defensive effort, but they made key plays in key situations. And that is a, that's, that can springboard you from a good team to a great team. And you know that Jamal Adams, Devin Witherspoon, this entire defense, that they were thrilled when they gave up that late touchdown to Gibson. Again, that the throw by Howell while getting hit, that, that was the best play in the game, in my opinion. I don't know how he was able to get that ball off with the accuracy and the velocity that he did getting his arm hit by Boy Mafe. But nonetheless, I think that they are probably loving it that the offense was finally able to back them up there. Because the last couple of weeks, the offense just hasn't been able to get out of its own way. And seeing Smith calmly with poise lead his team down the field. And DK Metcalf, all the big catches that he had on that game-winning drive. Again, this is one of those, I don't want to say culture builders because the Seahawks already have a culture. But this is a momentum-building end of the game on both sides of the ball that I think can really get this team over the hump, even if it was a team that was four and five coming in. Again, the commanders were one of those squads that I think are better than their record suggests. You know, Bill Parcells would say you are what your record is, but this is a team that has been extremely competitive. They've scored a lot of points. They've put up a lot of yards. And for the Seahawks to get this win, again, I think it is a big one, especially with the way that they won it late. Geno Smith getting his confidence back. All three of his star receivers having big games. This can be that stepping stone you're hoping starting next week when they go to L.A. to face the Rams. Coming up next, we are going to shift gears to our weekly game balls on offense, defense, and special teams. Who garners the honors? Find out next year on our post-game edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in price picks is really simple to play and i can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds with the basketball season here you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues for example you can have lebron james and travis kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three pointers made and receptions Plus, you can find out different celebrities on the Community Place tab, such as Meek Mill, the rapper, or comedian Adam Schultz under the promo tab. Price Picks is an absolute blast each week, and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any of the hassle and land quick winnings. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use the code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to the post-game edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen 
five days a week. Don't forget, tomorrow I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang. The two of us, we will be dishing out our Monday musings, and it's not a misery Monday this time around. Plenty of positives coming out of this victory over the Commanders. You won't want to miss it. Nick, let's shift our focus now to the game balls. And it's funny that we're having this conversation because Boye Mafe in the press conference afterwards was asked by one of the other reporters what he was going to do with his game ball after getting that sack in a seventh straight game. And he looked at him like, what? What are you talking about? Didn't get his game ball. But anyway, let's get to our game balls here on Locked On Seahawks on the offensive side of the football. There's several guys that you could consider here. I thought Geno Smith, if he could have put everything together like he did in the third and fourth quarter, maybe he's winning this. But there's only one guy that can get the game ball today for jumpstarting the Seahawks offense. Well, I kind of thought about cheating a little bit with going both running backs, but I, I'll, I'll I'll play I'll play ball here and I'll go with one. That's Ken Walker. I mean, Ken Walker was really just you know just he was the, the absolute spark plug. He you know he's bottled up a little bit with you know I think it was under three and a half yards per carry, sixty three rushing yards. Um, but that that sixty four yard touchdown. I mean, just ignited the crowd, ignited the offense, and just you know it, it just is the testament to what the Seahawks can be. Is yeah. You got to stick with the run game. And this is kind of one of those things and why you stick with the run game. Things start kind of opening up later on. I think they've got 26 carries of 25 between the running backs, Chardonnay, Chardonnay, Charbonnet and, and Walker. Um, and actually, you know, just kind of give Charbonnet credit too. The Seahawks are now 4-0 when they give Charbonnet at least five carries. So those two, um, you know, they they were, plint, they were you know, Batman and Robin back there. But Ken Walker really got it going with that 64-yard touchdown that just, yeah, I felt like there was just this big – <sighs> after the last week, I even did the math on how many hours it was be in a two week span from their last touchdown. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was a long time coming in a really big exhale after that big, big run after the catch by Walker. I asked a couple players and Pete Carroll after the game, you know, Big plays are always welcomed, but this felt like one of those where it really did lift an incredible weight and a lot of burden off of Geno Smith's shoulders, off DK Metcalf's shoulders, off of Tyler Lockett's shoulders. Lockett in particular, when I asked him about that play, just kind of taking the stress off, had a huge smile on his face. You could just see the relief in his in his response to that play. It really did jumpstart, and, and sometimes that's all you need when you go through a stretch where your offense just can't seem to get anything going. You need that play that didn't look like it was going to be a big play but then turns into an explosive and I want to give Ken Walker the third all the credit there but he did have blockers out in front of him Jake Bobo and Lockett were both out there and were at least able to shield defenders away from Walker and he broke a couple tackles got him on the sideline and man I, I I'm really curious to see what his speed was his mile per hour on that that should come out in the next day or two but he was running like a track star there going along the sideline that play really got everything going and and the Seahawks for the most part were unstoppable after that they got another touchdown later added two more field goal drives this offense was humming but they needed that one explosive play that could really jumpstart the offense they've been looking for it the last couple of weeks they finally get it from Ken Walker the third there and that really was a game-changing play for them on the defensive side of the football you and I were in agreement on Ken Walker the third but we have different picks here for our defensive game ball. And Nick, I know that there was another candidate that you were considering, but this one really jumped out to you as number 54's game in the middle for the Seahawks. Oh man. I mean, Bobby Wagner, I mean, he's, he's the captain. He's, he's the ever present. Uh, he's, he's omnipresent in the, in the defense. At least he was 
in this game. I know he had, you know, there's a bit of a miscommunication there with that touchdown late. Um, but overall, he was everywhere. It, whenever there was a play on the ball, I mean, Wagner was right in the thick of it. Team high, 10 tackles, six solo, got, his, got a half a sack, two uh, pass, def- uh, pass defense, one quarterback hit. I mean, he was just everywhere. And man, just now that we're, you know, nine games into his return season into Seattle, what were the Seahawks thinking, letting him go? I mean, I mean, just that's just, I mean, it just kind of makes me mad now that that we got one less season of Bobby Wagner in a Seahawks uniform because, I mean, he's just day in, day out, week in, week out, still the veteran, steadying presence on that defense, and you know, it's just, it is an absolute pleasure. I mean, it gives me chills. Absolute pleasure to watch a future first round, first ballot Hall of Famer still playing. I mean, not not maybe not in his peak prime, but still playing at a very high level. Yeah, he's arguably playing like a first team All Pro right now. If you consider what he's done, and I know that last week was not a good was not a good game for him against Baltimore, but he's been playing well all season long. He's making stops in the run game, had two pass breakups. You mentioned and his blitzing ability. They weren't having a ton of success when they were blitzing their corners and safeties earlier in this game, but when they started mixing in Wagner coming through the A gap, it just creates all kinds of problems. It, it led to some sacks. It led to some uh, big plays on defense. He is at the center of everything. And so Bobby Wagner definitely deserves some kudos for this performance. But to me, this was a pretty easy selection for another player who just continues to stake his claim to defensive rookie of the year. And I know the fans at Philadelphia are going to say Jalen Carter deserves this award, but Devin Witherspoon just continues to week in, week out, turn in impact plays. First snap of the game, he comes in a blitz and he deflects a pass from Sam Howell. He ends up, they, they're listing him with three pass breakups. I had him down for four when you include that swatted pass at the beginning. So even if it was only three, Nick, he has 11 pass breakups already in his rookie season this this year. That's not including that interception. If you're looking at passes defense, it's 12 or 13 for the year. He is becoming a ball magnet. He nearly had a pick six opportunity in this game. If Howell would have thrown the ball a little shorter, it was just out of his outstretched arms. But Witherspoon's flying all over the place. And then in the third quarter, the instincts that he showed there. And Pete Carroll talked about this earlier this week with Tariq Woolen, how last week he was trying to go for a strip on a tackle attempt when it was not the right time. That is the words that Carroll used. Well, this was the right time. Sam Howell, the quarterback carrying the football on a read option, he's rolling over Quandre Diggs, the tackler. He's not on the ground. And Witherspoon alertly strips the football away from him for a fumble. Woolen recovers it. The Seahawks didn't score any points off it, but nonetheless, it was a key turnover that thwarted a drive that looked pretty promising for the commanders at that point. This kid just week in, week out is making the impact plays you expect from a number five overall pick. And and again, I think he is clearly the front runner for defensive rookie of the year with performances like this, where he is getting a bunch of pass breakups. He's forcing fumbles. He's all over the field. He is a weapon that offenses have to account for where he's at every single play. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted it during the game. He's officially my favorite Seahawk, not named Bobby Wagner. I mean, so I had to pick Bobby Wagner there. But um, just he's one of those guys that you just you always have to find on the field when he's like, all right, where's 21? Where's where's, where's Spoon lining up? Because it could be a blitz. Could be he, He's all over the place. And he's just a joy. Like the joy of playing football just oozes out of Devin Witherspoon in so many ways. It like if, if you know someone that is like kind of waning in their love of football for this, that or whatever reason, Show him tape, show him or her tape of Devin Witherspoon, because I think that joy will be rekindled. 
Yeah, he is one of those guys. It's just infectious, and you can see it with all of his teammates, too. Now, let's shift to the special teams aspect. And I have to give co-game balls on special teams just because of what Jason Meyer said after the game, giving credit to rookie Chris Stahl, their undrafted rookie long snapper. And they have not missed a beat with him out there instead of Tyler Ott. He has done a fantastic job, and you know he's done a fantastic job because nobody has mentioned his name. If you're a long snapper and nobody says your name, that means you are doing a good job. But Jason Myers has now made 11 consecutive field goals over the last five games. So those early season blues, they are long gone. And today he made four field goals of 40-plus yards. He made five field goals total, accounted for 17 points. But in the center of that, you got to have somebody that's making good snaps, especially on a cold, rainy day. That is a much tougher job than people realize. And yet this special teams unit is just humming. That trifecta, they haven't missed a beat with the new guy. So got to give Jason Myers the love, but also Chris Stahl as well for doing his job at a fantastic level. Still the words right out of my mouth, Corbin. I mean, yeah, I definitely wanted to make sure we give Chris Stahl some credit there at the long snap out of Penn State. And just because on that last kick, you know, you're, you're, everything is under a times 10,000 microscope. The snap, the hold, the kick, I mean, the, the win, everything is just so critically important because you know the commanders are selling out to, you know, screw it up in any way possible. And everything about that kick specifically was just crisp, pristine, perfect, down from the snap to the hold of the kick. So, um, big shout out to Crystal and also, you know, Jason Myers, five for five. I mean, what else can you say? Um, I feel bad. I, I I told one of my one of my good buddies to drop him in fantasy after his rough go. He angrily texted me today, like, thanks a lot, man. Now <laughs> Jason Myers killing it. So um that, that one's on me. But I, I think that's a good I'm good. I'm glad that's happening because Jason Myers, what a turnaround. Yeah, he's figured out how to beat the odd year curse, apparently, because he is playing really good football right now, coming through in the clutch. That kick, the commanders called timeout trying to freeze him, and he's after the game. That was almost nice because how quickly they got down there, gave him a little bit of time to gather himself, and goes out calmly, splits the upright for the game-winning field goal. The lights go out. The, the crowd goes nuts. That's the type of feeling you're always looking for at Lumen Field. You are listening to the post-game edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to have Nick Lee joining me today as the co-host. Let's shift gears now to our three up, three down. And there were some mistakes made today, clearly. But you and I were having this discussion leading up to the show, and we were having a hard time putting three players on the three down list today because even the guys that made mistakes seemed to come through with some big plays. And you had guys like Geno Smith that started the game struggling, and he was on fire late in the game. You can't put him on the list. Jamal Adams had a couple really nice tackle for the loss after some missed plays in the first half. There just weren't any names that jumped out as guys like, you know what? This guy squarely deserves to be on this list, and we've done this a few times. We've called a few audibles on this show before, so we're going to make this all positive. Three up for offense, three up for defense. So let's start on the offensive side of the football. Whose stock is going up in your mind coming out of this game, Nick? Well, I'm going to go with a guy that's a little bit off the beaten path as far as you know who you'd think, but he came in as a, a reliever pretty much at tackle <laughs> and Jason Peters. I mean, I swear on that, on that one of those key third down runs for, for a first down for Zach Charbonnet. I, I swear I saw him blocking two guys at once. He did. I mean, he did. It was, it, it was insane to him. Mean, he's blocking Corbin. He's blocking guys pretty much half his age. And it's, it, it's a marvel. Talk about first ballot hall of famer. I mean, he's, he's maybe in the discussion for that, but I mean, just mauling dudes half his age. I saw him blowing up uh, Deron Payne a few times. Who's, a very talented interior defensive lineman. So especially with the fact that he came in in relief, basically, of Stone Forsyth, and it pretty much played so well, they really couldn't take him out. 
at any at, at much of any point. So I, I want to make sure we give Jason Peters a shout out. Um, you know, he's 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 certainly you know up there in age, but boy, boy, he's just he's still playing at a high level, and and especially in the run game, I'm very curious to see the run grades come out um, tomorrow because uh, I, I think that he's going to grade quite well. Yeah, he had that one block on a fourth down run for Charbonnet where he had one hand on two different guys and he was able to win. Like that is unheard of. And and I didn't think that he played overly well the last two weeks. In fact, there were some legitimate struggles, but I thought he was a player that jumped out today from a positive standpoint and they did lean on him late in the game. It wasn't Forsyth the right tackle. They had Peters in there. Abraham Lucas is set to come back next week. So we'll see what that means for Jason Peters, but he is showing at 41 that he can still play that he can still handle the duties i'm going to give some love to number 14 dk metcalf because we've been talking the last few weeks there there has been a clear rapport issue with geno smith there's been some communication gaps there was a game where he was targeted 14 times and he only caught five of them a lot of that was not dk metcalf's fault and this is another player you know early in the game there was a bomb on a third down throw that i thought dk metcalf should have came up with with a catch and those jump ball situations, he doesn't always win. But what he did late in this football game, that game-winning drive, they had gone three for 13 on third down, but that fourth conversion was critical. It was a slant, got 17 yards to DK Metcalf, and then he gets 27 yards on the final play before they clock it and Jason Myers wins the football game. He rumbled through the defense and picked up some extra yards. It was almost one of those where you're like, you need to get down, get down, because you're like, you're eating too much clock. But you got to love the aggression. He got to the middle of the field to set up Jason Myers as well. So he came through with some big plays. And 98 receiving, receiving yards didn't quite get to triple figures, but still – this was one of the better games he's had this season. To see him do that with Lockett and JSN also having really good games, this was the first time all three of them really contributed in the passing game. And I think it's another reason to be really excited coming out of this game because that's the first time we've seen that trifecta really put everything together, particularly in the second half. And I scared my children at yelling at him to get down <laughs> when he was running to, to get to, towards the field goal range. I mean, I, I, I get what he was trying to do, but I'm like, get down, please. You're doing great. Just get down. Uh, my my third for three up for offense, Zach Charbonnet. I mentioned I wanted to give him game ball. Just the running back duo, um, I, I, they just they were so cohesive. You know, the, like I mentioned, the Seahawks are four zero now when Charbonnet gets at least five carries, and you know, so just Walker and Charbonnet total thirty total touches, one hundred and eighty nine yards. That's a recipe for success, I would say, um, for sure for the running back room. So, and we we got to see the full menu of Charbonnet. Uh, that he has to offer in this game, the physicality, the, the suddenness, the, the quick moves. We know what wines go good with some foods. Well, the Seahawks offense goes good with a full glass of Charbonnet, Gordon. Yeah, I love it when they give him more opportunities, and I think he's just going to keep getting more of those. And obviously Walker showed his explosiveness off today. Now going to the defensive side of the football, I got to give the first shout out to big number 99, Leonard Williams getting his first sack in a Seahawks uniform. But that doesn't really encompass just how well he played today. Obviously, that was big. It was a key sack. Bobby Wagner took some attention there on a linebacker blitz, and then Williams ends up getting home. But on Mafe's history-setting sack, that play does not happen. And Mafe talked about this after the game. That doesn't happen without the selflessness that comes from being a three-tech. And Leonard Williams getting upfield, he got two blockers on him and absorbed both of them. Ultimately, he was sacrificing himself so that Mafe could come back inside on that stunt untouched, and he gets to Sam Howell 
for that seventh sack. And so that was one of those plays where in the box score, Boye Mafe gets the sack and he obviously made the big play, but it doesn't happen there without Leonard Williams and what he does at the three tech position. So we got to see a lot of stuff like that. That isn't going to show in the box score, but that's another reason the Seahawks love this guy. And they gave up the draft draft pick package. They did to get him. It was really nice to see that he's just getting comfortable, just getting started with this team and his new teammates. That was an exciting development today. Yeah, first first sack as a Seahawk, two solo tackles, a quarter another tackle for loss, quarterback hit. I mean, just he he that is why you trade for that guy. And I know the Commanders just changed owners, but I'm are, are we sure that owner isn't Leonard Williams? <laughs> I mean, they they's uh, he's played really well against them. Uh, another guy for me that that stuck out, uh, Reek Woolen. I, I, he's had a rough sophomore season. Let's not let's not sugarcoat it. Yep. He's had a pretty rough sophomore season, the, the the epitome of a sophomore slump. I think today was his best game. Uh, of the season. I mean, it won't, it might not quite show up in the box score. I mean, three tackles and one pass defense, but he was just solid, you know, no huge plays given up as far as I could tell. Um, I know I I usually dive into the pro football focus numbers, which we obviously don't have quite yet. Um, No egregious, you know, like shoulder, like I hit the wrong button on Madden kind of tackle attempt. And um, so I I think he'll get a very favorable, you know, PFF grade and maybe the best one of his season. Um, Just, yeah, that I think that we saw a lot of, what Tariq Woolen was like in his rookie year. And now hopefully Reek Woolen can, uh, can start to build off this solid game moving forward. There also was some really good coverage on Terry McLaurin on a deep ball in the third quarter that I think a few weeks ago, he might not have been in good position, but that looked more like the rookie version that we've seen. He also recovered the fumble that Devin Witherspoon forced. So get to see those two team, uh, two teammates tag team and make a big play like that is always exciting. So he was definitely on my short list. And I'm going to go with a player that maybe nobody else is going to be talking about. In fact, before the show, you even said he made plays worthy of this, but watching closely Daryl Taylor, we have been so critical of him all season and he's earned a lot of that criticism with some of the plays that he hasn't made against the run, but he had a really nice stop on a run play where he was able to stonewall uh, Brian Robinson for no gain after he broke through a tackle for Mario Edwards. He came from backside pursuit. He also had a key quarterback hit late in this game where he blasted Sam Howell that forced an incompletion. So he made some big impact plays in this game that maybe don't necessarily show up on the box score, but he was coming through and seeing him make a positive contribution against the run. I feel like Daryl Taylor deserves some kudos for that. He was a player that under the radar today, I thought, had a pretty solid game for the Seahawks, and and maybe that sets him up to get some more snaps moving forward as he shows, hey, you can have some confidence that I can make some plays against the run. So this, to me, was his best game. Even if the stat line doesn't show it, I thought he was really active and came through as a factor in the second half for the Seahawks. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Nick at NickLee51. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On Seahawks on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, it's our weekly Monday musings, in-depth takeaways after watching the All-22, revisiting the Seahawks win over the Commanders. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks!